It is the 11 dub cast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. And look, it's it's time for our draft breakdown, right? Like we just had this whole weekend. We started on Thursday, continued on Friday, absorbed all of it on Saturday. We've been digesting it all day today on Sunday, which is when we're recording. And I think it's time for us to reflect on the NFL draft. By the way, before we get into these picks, and here's how we're going to do this. We're just going to go straight down the list. We're going to go through all of the Ohio State picks, give our ideas, opinions, thoughts, whatever, on where they were selected, where they're going, all that great stuff. But Andy, I want to ask you first off, how much of the draft did you actually watch? Because <laughs> that's that is something I, I genuinely am curious about because all of this is predicated on occupying our attention for three straight days. I want to know how much you actually watched. More than I originally anticipated. You know, when we talked about this last week, uh, I think I made the comment that I'd probably watch someone Thursday night and then it would trail off over the course of the weekend. And that mm. that did hold true. We watched all of Thursday night, I would say 80 to 90 percent of Friday night, surprisingly enough. Okay. I didn't watch I didn't watch anything on Saturday. I, I used uh, I used my connections at 11 Warriors, uh, namely my man Dan Hope, who is maybe the biggest draft junkie and guru who is not actually a draft pundit. Oh my gosh. Comma yes. yet. I mean, he totally could be one of these days. Like I can yeah. picture Dan being a draft pundit, but uh, I, I just followed the beat guys to see what was going on. Uh, Twitter notifications are a gift. Uh, can be a curse, but in times like this can be a gift. So that was, I was keeping tabs on it Saturday while we were doing family things. I actually was uh, Saturday, spent a good bit of time. So to get myself off the hook for not watching the draft, I was helping fill in as a sideline coach for the little tykes youth soccer team. So that uh, I think is a worthwhile reason not to be plopped down on the couch watching the draft. But I, but I watched more of it than I anticipated the, the, the reason that I uh, know that is because I still am wondering what adult painted twit decided it was important to spend the first 15 minutes of Thursday night with Kings of Leon. And I, and I don't mean that as <laughs> a mark of disrespect to Kings of Leon. If that's your thing, more power to you. They, they, you yeah. know, there's some singles out there that I, I was happy to listen to back in the day. However, comma, when I tuned in at top of the hour, expecting to see the NFL draft, I was not looking for an extended live set. I don't like live albums all that much anyway, let alone live on television. So that wasn't what I was tuning in for. I was ready for Robo Goodell to come out, accept his booze, and give me a pick. That's what I was looking for. How dumb was I to think that the NFL draft would start at 8 o'clock? Quite, because... quite dumb, and I was right there <laughs> like... with you. I was right there with you, equally <laughs> dumb. We were very like dumb. I'm sitting there, and it's quarter after 8, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why did I think no sporting event? whether it's a game or a draft or any uh, like a you know a trophy presentation or some kind of thing it never starts on time yeah. and i'm with you that was superfluous and ridiculous but also entirely expected and i'm dumb <laughs> to think that it was gonna just happen and, and somebody uh, commented on twitter like well i'd much rather listen to kings of leon than uh, you know greenberg and booger and i'm like you know you but you have options that's the other thing though there, there are multiple channels that you can pick from you don't have to listen to mcfarland who i cannot stand See, and booger I, I doesn't think he, bother me like people get jacked up about booger now greenberg you and i are on the same wavelength about i don't greenberg. like him either i think he's I, mike yeah. and mike were that was good radio for a lot of years greenberg sure. as a solo uh guy or or as play-by-play play on the draft no i can't no that's not yeah. not a thing the, not, the combination not of both of them is not my cup of tea and so i was on um now, Lewis NFL. Riddick, I thought was really good, by the way. Riddick and he was, yeah. 
and I like, I mean, Kuiper is Kuiper, right? Sure. So I, I, it would feel wrong not to watch the draft with, <laughs> without watching Kuiper, but, but I think Riddick was really good. I enjoyed his analysis. He was good. And, and, you know, as you said, Kuiper is Kuiper and he definitely does his homework and he's really great at his job. I stuck with the NFL network. It wasn't awesome, but it was, it was unobtrusive. Who, I guess they have what on I was the looking NFL for <laughs> Well, and I like Rich Eisen. Like I'm a, you know, I think he's a good uh, commentator. I think he's good at his job. Um, but overall, the presentation was whatever. I mean, the picks are the show. And as soon as they got on with that, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check that out. I really, honestly, I watched the entire first round, and then I didn't watch maybe more than twenty combined minutes of the rest of the draft. And I, like I was paying attention, obviously, you know, when Ohio State players are getting picked and whatever, and I'm reading our posts and all that great stuff. But honestly, like I consumed it via Twitter. I, after that first round, it was just, okay, what are the jokes and who's getting picked? And that's all I cared about. And I didn't, I didn't really watch it on TV. And that's, I guess that goes back to what I was saying last week, which is, I think the way they're doing it, at least for me, I mean, maybe this is, they're pulling in awesome ratings and everything's working out, you know, for them financially and and, in terms of viewership, but I want them to, I want ESPN, NFL, NFL Network to conduct all of their programming choices based on what I want yeah, and not what's best for them financially. So because of that, I would rather them go back to what they used to do. And then maybe I'll watch a little bit more of the draft. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But overall uh, it was an interesting draft. You've got a ton of Ohio state players drafted. Obviously that was expected. I think they tied with Alabama for the most and are, continue to be tied for Alabama for the most. I think they had 10, both teams had 10 uh, players drafted. Let's just go ahead and get right into it. Obviously the biggest thing that we were thinking about and concerned about was where Justin Fields was eventually going to end up. And we knew it wasn't going to be with Jacksonville because the obvious choice was Trevor Lawrence presumptive, you know, first pick overall. Nobody really, I think was surprised or shocked with what happened there. Zach Wilson, I think that's a stretch, but again, that's what the jets had been kind of leaning towards. And then the real question was, is how far was Justin Fields going to fall after that? Was San Francisco just putting up smoke spring uh, smoke screens about Trey Lance Were the Denver Broncos going to pick him up Would the Panthers, maybe think about picking him up. Uh, none of those things happened. And eventually Justin Fields falls falls in quotation marks. Uh, to the Chicago Bears at number 11. Uh, two things I want to say about this. First of all, I think it's just a crapshoot in terms of quarterbacks at this point when it comes to trying to predict what any of these teams are going to do unless they really telegraph it straight up. Like it's it, all of this hand wringing, all of this discussion about who's going to go where and whatnot. You might as well just roll dice because it, it nobody knows. It, and honestly, I don't think a lot of these teams know until the night of sometimes. Um, so I, a lot of it's just kind of much ado about nothing in the lead up, in my opinion. The second thing is that I think this is a really good spot for him. And I love, love, love how psyched the Chicago bears and their fans are about him. And I think that's a really good spot for him. They traded up to get him. Um, I'm excited for the dude and I think he'll do some really good things there. Yeah. The thing that is, you know, kind of a sad reality of going early in the draft you're making more bank with that rookie contract, but you may be getting yourself into a crap situation. Sure. You know, with a, maybe a dysfunctional franchise or you don't have enough weapons around you or whatever reason that the team was picking in the first three slots, unless they traded up the, the 49ers thing, you know, was interesting because 
if you had asked me a week before the draft, I was like, he's going to the 49ers. It's very clear. That's what everybody says. It's what's going to happen. And then it was funny, you know, tuning in on draft night and that Kuiper and those guys weren't even talking about fields. And as a 49, was clearly coming down to like Trey Lance, um, Oh, shucks. And, and Mac Jones, um, yep. you know, that was, they were going to, it was going to be one of those two guys. And I'm like, really? They're going to, they're going to go up to third for Mac Jones. Like they're, they're going to trade away like a hundred picks or whatever that crazy deal was to get Mac Jones. Like, really? <laughs> like I, I, it just, that, that didn't, that I they said they couldn't do that. I, I couldn't picture them doing that. Somebody made the comment, you know, Kyle Shanahan, brilliant quarterback developer, terrible quarterback drafter. Um, you know, okay, maybe that was the case. But so then they pick Lance. I'm like, all right, I, I get that. That sort of makes sense. One of the things that I get a big kick out of with guys in the draft uh, and maybe guys and their parents when it comes to the draft is the chip on the shoulder. Like, oh, you didn't draft me until you oh, know, sure, whatever yeah. number it was. Like, I'm going to remember all these other 31 teams that passed on him. Like, I'm just waiting for the guy who, when they ask him, you know, how'd you feel about you're, you know, getting picked with the 190th overall pick that he's like, no, nah, man, I thought I was a sure round fifth or sixth rounder. Heck, I thought maybe I might be an undrafted <laughs> free agent. I'm just tickled to right. be drafted. Are you kidding? Like, I'm waiting for that guy. But no, they all are like, well, I'm going to remember this, you know, like, okay, you, you just got the paycheck of the lifetime. Chill out, bro. <laughs> I, I, I think Fields got a great situation because even though he lost some money on the contract by quote unquote, as you said, falling to the 11th round pick. This may, he, he may be the most marketable guy. No, I'll back that up. He is the most marketable guy of the quarterbacks in that draft. If oh, you yeah. watch that, that commercial um, immediately after his pick with Drew Brees, that, that Lowe's commercial, mm-hmm. the dude's gold. He's gold. He's going to be great on camera. Yep. Uh, you know, people love him. He's a likable guy. He's got a winning smile, super marketable, super nice guy. He's going to be a great player, which helps. He's in a fantastic media market. Bears fans are you know, maybe, maybe one of the top two, three fan bases in the sport in terms of like loyal fandom, dub bears, dub bears, dub bears, dub bears. Uh, you know, that's, it's a great situation for him. And I feel like whatever he didn't make on being a top five or six pick, he's going to more than make up in sponsorship deals. How many sponsorship deals he's already got lined up. Yeah. I mean, he's already, he's already chomping down on the pistachios on his Twitter and (laughs) drinking the C4. Those Chipotle sponsor tweets, you you know, he's, he's the real deal and he's going to do great there. More importantly, from a football standpoint, I think he's going to do great there. I think he's really, it's a good fit. Uh, That's a good song. I've been to Hallis hall. It's a beautiful facility uh he's gonna love it there i think yeah and he gets to learn from uh the incredibly talented and uh sure to hold on to the starting job for the entire 2021 season um andy dalton who i of course am very well acquainted with you betcha um yeah the red rocket's gonna teach him everything that he knows about you know losing important games i'm sure i'm sure he is super (laughs) excited to have justin fields in the quarterback room with him super excited but honestly though like he's you've got a great defense in chicago you need to get a little bit i think more in terms of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball and that's fine but justin fields is an electric dude and i just think he's going to be unbelievably successful um in in chicago and and you know, again, people can kind of wring their hands and go, oh, my gosh, what's going to go happen with this this draft? And is he going to get it in a good spot? This is a good spot for him. And it's not the kind of prestigious, like, OK, top three pick, top five pick slot. But I 
don't think he's upset about um, the situation. So that's cool for him. And, and I honestly am really looking forward to seeing him, uh, you know, at Soldier Field and do all those things that, you know, Ohio State fans have seen in the past couple of seasons because the dude is legitimately awesome. What's also real funny, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about Justin Fields for right now, but I also really love how as much questioning there was of Justin Fields in the lead up to the draft and, and kind of inventing all of these crazy things about him uh, after the draft, people were like, you know, he really is probably like the second best prospect uh, quarterback wise in the draft. The like everybody's like the, the revisionist history about like how valued he is. Some people were saying, no, he's the true number one quarterback. And I'm just like, we just spent three months dissecting everything about this dude and saying he's not, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so transparently like, manufactured to me that it just makes me laugh well well let's let's you know let's go back to this i mean i i really do think there's an argument to be made there was was he that i mean the two the sure. two best quarterbacks to me were lawrence and fields i, I don't think so then why did we spend three months hemming and hawing about so, this i mean stuff? it's exactly like, what you said right like these clicks don't generate themselves johnny right, <laughs> you know, right. Like, somebody's got to be out there doing the lord's work to get us yeah. all uh drummed up about it but but i think the thing that will be really interesting you know if you had to put a marker down on it now which of those two guys you think is still going to be in the league playing at a high level three, five, seven years down the line, you know, who's the guy that's more likely to have a bust in Canton. Who's the guy you think's more likely to make the all pro. I, boy, I think you got a real good case to make that it's going to be Justin Fields. We'll yeah. see. I mean, the thing people keep coming back on, there's been no shortage of digital ink spilled on the idea that Ohio state quarterbacks just don't make it in the league. Sure. Uh, and, and certainly there's, you know, plenty of evidence to support that. I don't think you can paint Justin Fields with that brush. I didn't think you would with Dwayne Haskins either, um, to be to be fair. But, you know, here we are. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Dwayne Haskins, though, is that he doesn't have the physical tools overall that Justin Fields does. And, and like, very, you know, very highly accurate passer, great rocket arm i don't take anything away from Dwayne haskins i'm just saying he's not justin fields in terms of what he's capable of doing getting out of the pocket all that kind of stuff i mean we made so many jokes at Dwayne haskins expense <laughs> and in terms of like him running with his legs and all that kind C3PO, of stuff po you know yeah. taking off with the ball right yeah justin fields can run like a legit four five forty and he doesn't need to 99 percent of the time because he's just so deadly accurate uh you know with his arm but when he has to get out of the pocket and if he you know does experience pressure and whatnot he can extend plays in a way that Dwayne haskins just can't um so point is totally different players I think he's going to have a great career and I'm just really excited to see what he does in Chicago. Cause it, not one of my primary rooting interests, but I like it when Chicago is good. And I also like when, you know, there's a, like you said, there's a fan base that has a really strong um, adherence to a, a team and a, and a program. I just think that's cool. So I think they're going to love them. They already have shown how excited they are about the dude and he's going to do some really fun things in Chicago. Uh, next pick for Ohio state. You had to wait till the second round. Pete Werner is not a surprise that he was the next dude who came off the board for the Buckeyes. Ended up going to the Saints, uh, <laughs> the New Orleans Buckeyes, um, the Columbus Saints, however you want to call it. I, I think it's pretty awesome. This is a guy who I don't think anybody expected to be a second round draft pick maybe a couple seasons ago. Um, so I'm, I'm really stoked for him, and I think he's going to, you know, 
he's going to have a really solid NFL career. I don't think he's going to be like an all pro kind of guy, but people who've never heard of him outside of Ohio state fans are going to be surprised at how often he shows up on highlight reels, making big plays, things like that. And, and but here's um, the other thing too, like to, to the counter to what you're saying about, about what his upside potential is and look at how well Buckeyes who play in new Orleans do like who yeah. the success those guys have down there. It's really incredible. I mean, you, you know, just guy after guy after guy, it seems like in recent memory, gone down there and made a name for themselves. There's, I mean, there's, there's a reason that I guess people get excited when they see Buckeyes go on to the Saints. <laughs> it's a well-run, it's a well-run organization. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what they're like life after Drew Brees. You sure. know, that's, that's, that's a thing that'll be interesting, but yeah, Werner, I think he's going to be a great fit there. And certainly, obviously, he's got a lot of friends in the locker room already. Right. So it, that, that, that one was one I was excited about because he's a guy that kind of, you know, like you say, if, if you're not an Ohio State fan, flies under the radar, you probably didn't know anything about him. You're like, who's this cat? Uh, but I think that was a smart pick for them. It was a good pick. It was a good pick. And here's the other thing about uh, Werner is that with the way linebackers are being used – in the NFL these days, right? The way that they're expected to play, I think he's going to be a guy who will find a lot of success because of his versatility. You know what I mean? Like he's he's a guy who's really good at diagnosing plays. He can play all over the field. Um, I just, they're going to ask him to do a lot of different things and he's going to be able to do a lot of different things. That's That's what's interesting about him to me is that he's not the quote unquote prototype that you would see 10 15 years ago um he's he's a really like versatility is really the the you know watchword here and it's it's what the you know saints uh really looked at him for because he's a guy who can play all over the field so i that's what i think is going to be cool um he's another guy who i think is going to have a, a really long career i want to talk a little bit about the offensive linemen that were selected as well you got josh myers obviously wyatt davis they were picked relatively close uh second and third rounds um, I, so Corey Lindsley made a butt ton of money <laughs> with green Bay. Uh, and then he went on and made even more money over there in, in California. He's going to LA. Uh, I feel like they saw green Bay saw a guy that they really liked for many years. And they're like, can we find someone who's exactly like that and pick Josh Myers? And now he's gonna, he's gonna basically do the same thing. So good for him. I think that's awesome. I'm, I'm a little surprised that he went like maybe 20 spots ahead of Wyatt Davis. Davis. I thought Wyatt would be a little bit higher than that, but um, both of them are going to be asked to do, I think, kind of similar things. Honestly, yeah, And it's, I mean, it's exactly what you said though. It, it, it's sometimes it's not so much about the player as the fit. So yeah. maybe, maybe if you were drafting in a vacuum, you'd say, Oh yeah, why it would have been, would have been ahead of Myers. But in this case, I, I mean, I think you're exactly right. The, the Packers, had a need uh, the the similarities between the two guys you know or whatnot that uh, in, in the quality of center you know what you're getting um mm -hmm. you, you know same same development all those things like this is a that's a good fit for them it's a good fit for him uh although you know so much drama <laughs> about cream oh a gosh. leading up to the draft like in the minutes <laughs> leading up to the draft right who's going to be chucking the rock for the packers that's suddenly a very interesting storyline but maybe you get, uh, you know, it's a stable program, a stable, I keep calling it a program, like it's a college program, stable mm -hmm. franchise 
otherwise, and typically, you know, we would have thought of it as a well-run organization minus this issue. I think you can make a case that nobody's managed a Hall of Famer's career worse than the Packers have Aaron oh, Rodgers, but yeah, that's kind of crazy uh, to think about. Well, like, it's cool that <laughs> it's cool that you get to go to a, a, a franchise like that, and yes, they may be losing. Aaron Rodgers and yes there's all this you know drama and stuff going on but I don't know man it, it, it's what I look for is longevity and I think both Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis can provide that for their teams and I you know I've been wrong like offensive line to me feels so hard to project sometimes because I don't think anybody would expect Corey Lindsley to have the kind of career that he's had in the NFL on the other hand I thought a guy like Billy Price would do a lot better than he has it's just it's it's weird because you never really know how a guy might handle what they're being asked to do or what the, I don't know what the offensive coordinators will do and, and how they'll mesh and all that kind of stuff. I, to me, that feels like one, a position where it's like, it's hard to really project as well, unless you're just looking purely at like athleticism, you know, the body size, arm length, all that crap, because you never really, when you see the draft, you don't see people talking about technique as much as you do just like simply like body type when it comes to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because they don't really know. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's just completely up to the offense whether or not they're going to be able to, um, you know, put a guy in and make him successful. I'm interested in your opinion about Trey Sermon in the third round, pick 88, going to the San Francisco 49ers. To me, and again, Trey Sermon obviously showed a ton in the last part of last season didn't miss or excuse me didn't play a lot missed a lot of time going into that so he doesn't have a ton of tape to me i think that was about as good as it was going to get for trey sermon not because he's not a great player not because he can't be impactful but because teams will look at both the running back position and trey sermon's just body of work in that he didn't have a ton of it and say we're not willing to take a guy much higher than that. I think round three is, is a good spot for Trey Sermon in terms of where he could get value. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, I think it was a good pick for them. I think it was a good pick for him. A good, good, yeah. you know, good spot for him. He, nobody was thinking of him as a first rounder, you know, mm-hmm. could he have snuck up into the second round? You know, maybe I think he's, I think he was good enough to do that, but I don't think this was a, bad pick. I think it's really good value for the 49ers. I had him going in the third round. I was thinking about him going to the Steelers because I expected them to go lineman, lineman, and then come back and get a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, they got Najee Harris early, which I I didn't think they would go that early. I thought that was a really great pick for the Steelers because um, he's he's a legit running back uh, and, and you know what you're getting there. I just thought they would prioritize the lineman first, but as, as a lot of guys talked about, there were plenty of interior alignment available in the second and third rounds. And, and the Steelers went back and got those guys later. Um, so it, and again, good, good organization, good fit. I, I think he'll do well there. That offense that they run in San Francisco, I think fits him well. Uh, and, and he's a guy, you know, I don't remember if it was Kuiper or might've been Lewis Riddick. They, you know, they were talking about the question about 40 about sermon, you know, would be what guy was showing up the guy that was sitting behind master Teague for months on end, or right. the guy who broke every record in the books, uh, in the postseason for Ohio state, you know, which, which trace are you getting? I personally think it's going to be the latter. I think he now knows what he's capable of. We've seen it. I, I don't think that genie goes back in the bottle. 
you know, is he right. going to have, you know, is he going to have a pro bowl type career? I don't know. It's so hard. You know, it's so hard to, to gauge that sort of thing, but I think he's going to be, he's a guy I'd put on my fantasy team, you know, sure. I think there's, I think there's plenty. And because he didn't run the ball 40 times a game for 16 games last season, you, you think, Hey, you know what? This guy's probably got some tread on the tires yet. That's the, right. that's the thing you hate about these running backs that have really put it out on the, the field in college that, okay, well, how many do you get to that fifth year option with them? Yeah. I mean, he's coming off of an injury and, and that may be worrying some teams as well, but you know, 49ers everybody. apparently weren't too worried about it because yeah. you know, if they were, you, you might've, you might've held off, but taking him with a relatively high pick and I, yeah, I think it's good. I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah. And, and as he said, I mean, Trey Sermon, they, they talked to him after uh, he got drafted. He said, I know I fit in well with what they do. I know they love the outside zone a lot. And that was a bread and butter at Ohio state. And that's absolutely true. And, and that's something that, you know, he started to excel in a lot and maybe it was just a result of him kind of learning the offense and understanding his role in it. And if that's the case, if he's got that down, then San Francisco is going to really enjoy what he brings. And, and he's um, a guy that is both plenty physical, you know, he, he can, he can knock the piss out of you. Mm-hmm. If he needs to, but he can also make you miss. Like he's one of those yes. guys that, that has both of those things. He's not just a downhill, you know, run you over kind of guy. He can, he can get out. He's also pretty good catching the ball out of the backfield, which is, you know, becoming a more important part of the professional game of football. And it's interesting too, because some people were kind of poo pooing his, his pass catching skills. I, I thought he's fine. He's, yeah. I think he's pretty good at that. I think that's something that he'll do well in, in the NFL. And, and because his, the thing is, is that he doesn't have this next level speed or anything like that, but he, he does get up to speed very quickly, yeah, right? He's, he's not enough. a guy, you know, he's, he's not a guy that takes 20 steps to get up to his max speed. I mean, he, he puts a foot in the ground and he's gone. Like he, he just, he's a really quick guy who hits the holes hard and does what he needs to do. Um, He's not going to blow you away with his athleticism, but I don't think he has to. He just has to be really decisive, which, as we saw in the you know last part of the season, he he became that. Um, I want to ask you about these picks here. So, okay, we got Jonathan Cooper, right, who went to the Denver Broncos seventh round. Um, <laughs> his, his tweet was, okay, I'll remember, which indicates that maybe he expected to go a little bit higher than that, which is understandable. Hurt um and then you've got tommy togiai fourth round cleveland browns that's great he gets to stay in the buckeye state that's kick ass for him um fourth round for tommy i think is is pretty good i think that's that's a good spot and then you've got baron browning who's going to the denver broncos so all these kind of linebacker interior linemen things like that who do you think is going to have the best career in the nfl that's i I mean that's tough i i thought that cooper would go higher yeah um I thought Togi, I might go higher, but there's all this. I thought he was going to go lower than that. I well, see, there's all be... this talk about him being undersized. I just keep thinking about how strong the guy is. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that that's part of, and, and you, you know, we talked about this when it was around the pro days, because we didn't have the traditional combine, but the scouts, you know, fall in love with seeing these guys stand around in their boxers. And oh my gosh, you know, mm. the guy that can throw up. <laughs> uh you know 40 reps on the bench you know you just thought it's kind of we saw that with baron browning a little bit right that people fell in love with his 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 measurables uh and and just i think it might have been kuiper was talking about like you just you wouldn't let that body get away it was kind of how they like okay sure down now hold it down but they they look at potential because otherwise if you were just looking at production 
over the course of a career, you wouldn't have been like, oh my gosh, you got to draft Browning as a top hundred pick. You know, you right. wouldn't, you wouldn't have necessarily said that, but then you look and say, okay, what's this guy capable of? And you know, is if they're here, he's falling into a good situation, good, good franchise. Uh, I think we'll get some good coaching there and we'll see what happens. Uh, it's tough though. Do I think him Cooper or Togi? I, you know, Togi, I actually, I think falls in. This so feels so weird to say he's falling into a really good situation in Cleveland. You know, they, they've like apparently figured out how to run a football organization up there. It's kind of weird. Well, and the defensive linemen around him are going to be excellent, right? Like he gets to, he's joining a defensive line that they've brought in new guys. They brought in Clowney. They've got a bunch of other guys who can contribute and he's not going to be asked to anchor the whole thing by himself. Um, I agree. He's in a great situation. And I really think that he, of those guys that I just mentioned, I think he's got the best spot and I think that he'll probably perform in his role the best as well. Yep. Um, so I, I'm looking for him to have the best career, at least initially out of these, uh, you know, those players, just because it, a lot of it is about, you know, spots and, you know, what role you're asked to perform and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And I just think he can be an immediate contributor in maybe a smaller way and then kind of grow into his role and take on a bigger presence. Whereas, you know, a guy like Browning or, you know, I don't know exactly what they'll expect out of Cooper, but the problem is, is that you're just expected to make a huge impact immediately to kind of justify X, Y, and Z. I don't think Tommy Togia has to worry about that as much. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, and again, he's, he's a great player. I think he's going to do really well in Cleveland. Um, one of the things I found interesting talking about Cooper and Browning, both going to Denver is, mm -hmm. you know, we were, we were laughing about the 49 or the uh, saints being, you know, Columbus South. There were multiple teams who drafted multiple Buckeyes this go around, which I thought was interesting. If when you count in the undrafted free agents too, you know, 49ers take two with Hilliard and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and Trey Sermon, you've got, uh, the Vikings got to love, uh, Rick Spielman taking tough Borland who, who, you know, I was like hoping would get into that spot as Mr. Irrelevant, but, uh, you know, the Vikings picking up a couple Broncos picking up a couple. I, I find that, you know, interesting to, to see them, you know, grab a couple guys from the same school, especially when you add in like say some of those undrafted free agents like you just figure they Spielman obviously should know the organization well with the connections he has to the to the program and other players that have played for some of these programs uh like we said with the Saints and whatnot but yeah it was interesting seeing them take two guys more or less in that same position with Browning and Cooper how do they use them and the expectations right. should be relatively manageable for those guys well, and that's, you know, like I said, it is, it is kind of an expectation game and trying to figure out what you're going to excel at and, you know, who you can impress and all that kind of stuff. I, one, okay, so this is something that I've been itching to talk about a little bit. Um, okay, so Urban Meyer is the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We know this. This is something that is, this is known. We know. And I was very curious about this particular draft just because I wanted to see how he would draft and what he would decide to do in Jacksonville. And with the fifth round, they, they go there and, and they decide to pick Farrell, uh, you know, tight end out of Ohio state. And, you know, you've got the cool little video of urban calling up the Farrells and saying, Hey, we're drafting you. Welcome to Jacksonville. All that good stuff. Look, I I'm, I'm happy for Luke. I think that's great. Um, that's a reach. That is a bit of a reach for Urban Meyer and the Jackson 
scores. And I don't really know why they go with him at that spot. I'm happy they did, but I, that one baffles me a little bit. That one is confusing. I'm going to, I'm going to just sort this out for you. You know, I think if you probably go back and look, my man, Luke graded out as a champion every single game. <laughs> yeah. And so, you, you know, he's, uh, that's one, the best data that urban has. What, why, he, what else do you need? He's one of the best, uh, that urban's ever been around. And <laughs> you know, that's, that's what matters, man. Is John Simon still in the league? Can he still, <laughs> can he still get guys? And you know, the... look, here's what I said on Twitter. When the news broke that urban was talking to Tim Tebow about coming in as a tight end. I, oh I my said, God. You know, there are days when I think urban Meyer will be the next Jimmy Johnson, he's going to win a super bowl, maybe a couple. Mm -hmm. And then there are days like this where you read that he's bringing in Tim Tebow at a tight end. And you think this is going to be the most spectacular, you you know, (laughs) cluster fark in the history of the league. Like, I don't think I I don't envision a situation where urban's just like an average coach for five or six years and <laughs> right. decides to like go off on his boat and be done. It's, it's either going to be balls to the wall, man, this team is awesome. Or, you know, the other part of it could be that it's both ends of the spectrum that you get two seasons of, wow, this cat's really good. And then year three or four, there's some spectacular implosion. <laughs> like, right. I just, yeah. You got the chip <laughs> Kelly route. I, I mean, the thing is, and I want to talk about this just briefly. Um, his draft overall is, <laughs> it is kind of like that too, where you're like, okay, that's a good, that's a good pick. And then you've got a bunch of like, what the hell are you doing? Some people are really high on Travis ATN. I'm not. And I think the guy is a really good athlete. Um, I just think he's unbelievably inconsistent. And there are guys like that who aren't really hugely consistent in college football in part because their offensive coordinators don't really know what to do with them all the time. And then they get to the NFL and they get guys who, you know, are way better at their jobs than their college coaches and they excel and they do some amazing things maybe Travis Etienne is one of those guys. I just, I don't have a ton of faith in him as a first round pick. And yes, they did eventually pick up, you know, an offensive tackle to, to protect Trevor Lawrence. Um, I just think they're all over the place. And I don't, again, I'm not an expert. I don't know all the ins and outs of the draft. I just feel like they were kind of throwing darts at a wall and, and, and seeing, you know, who they would pick. Cause it, it didn't seem like there was a lot of, intentionality was some of what they were doing uh in their draft i don't know and and this is the thing you know that will by and large determine urban meyer's success i think is how he handles personnel oh absolutely. because if you look at what what's arguably his biggest strength you can talk a lot about his innovations offensively and how he changed the game of college football by by using his brand of spread to run outfit uh, offense and how that changed football you look at what he did to ohio state when he was at florida uh in those bowl games you know like it's it that, that was he moved the needle and but arguably mm-hmm. his biggest strength i'm not even sure you can argue it actually it's his biggest strength was was recruiting look what look at how he stepped up the game in the big 10 and you look at how different the big 10 is today from when he came into the league because of recruiting. Oh, absolutely. Uh, huge difference, huge difference. And, and so this is a very different world now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't just go out and get a guy uh, like you could when you're recruiting the college, right? You know, you're not out just fighting for 
25 guys a year. It's you're going to, you're going to make smart picks. Uh, I am with you that it felt a little, all a little all over the board. Um, you know, ATN with the 25th overall selection that, you know, that might've been a reach. I was praising the Steelers for going and getting Najee Harris. I actually think that was a better value pick there than ATN at, Oh, I agree. Uh, yeah. Like all of a sudden urban's in love with, uh, Dabo Swinney's program, I guess, you know, his <laughs> first two bicks coming out of Clemson. Well, that's the, this is Dabo is like, like, these are the best players, you know, you played against them. They beat you. They, they must be awesome. And I right. just, I don't know. It, it seemed very odd with a lot of his picks. And, and that's, he's got to come in. The thing about Urban Meyer in the NFL is that he's got to come in and make some kind of impact in the league. His team doesn't have to be great or even that good next season, but they have to be interesting. They have to be engaging. They have to be competent. And if he comes out and they have a really kick-ass offense and maybe they're losing a bunch of games, if they're putting up a bunch of yards and a bunch of points, people will consider that a success. But if they're disorganized and they're not out there like specializing in something and looking really good in something, they're going to question if Urban Meyer is up to this task. And that's what I'm looking for too, man. Like I want to make you, you can't just out like talent, every team on a week to week basis in the NFL, you got to bring something to the table that makes mm -hmm. you smarter or more clever or, you know, more prepared than the other team. And one of the things that we criticized Urban Meyer a lot towards the end of his tenure at Ohio state is that they didn't get creative. They didn't have a response to a team that had a plan for Ohio state. Um, and that's, that's something he can't afford to, you know, to coach. Like he can't be that man. He can't be that guy in the NFL. You got to, you've got to be better prepared than that. I really thought, you know, th if you looked at Jacksonville going into the draft, things that they needed, you know, this is a team that if, if I'm reading the data correctly, allowed the second most points and second most yards of any team in the league last year, most yards per play, mm -hmm. uh, that they needed to buckle up on the defense. Obviously they needed a quarterback. That was, that was a given. Sure. Uh, but if you look, okay, they picked up, um, you know, a decent cornerback in Tyson Campbell. Okay. That, that, that was a good pick. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, if I look, uh, you know, they got a good safety and Andre Cisco, that, that probably was, was an okay pick decent defensive tackle pick in the um, turfle from uh, to fell from uh, USC. That was a good pick. Uh, decent edge rusher from UAB. I guess that, that was okay. But then those offensive picks, like he got trash, got trash pretty hard for taking Farrell at tight end. They needed a tight end. They, that was one of the things going in that they yeah, needed but, a tight end. <laughs> There's other tight end that, that was, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like he's getting trash for that pick Yeah. because you needed a tight end. Like that's not one where you're just like, ah, I'm going to spend a pick on a kid. I like, you know, like that's right. <laughs> that's not the thing that you needed to do there. You needed to go right. and make, and, and likewise, uh, 18 was, was probably a reach at 25. Um, and their offensive tackle picks, you know, they've gotten kind mm -hmm. of dinged as I'm reading through some of the draft grades, the things that, that, uh, he was graded most harshly on from the various pundits that grade these things would be the tight end pick his, his, uh, uh, pick of Walker little from Stanford at offensive tackle and, uh, ATN at running back. So actually his, his defensive picks were okay. They generally were all, you know, B or B plus type picks from the various graders I saw. So maybe that'll be okay. That to me, that's what they really needed to, to get together was a defense. So, well, and the other thing is that Trevor Lawrence is the real deal and he's going to maybe make up for a lot of deficiencies if he can come in. And I mean, I'm just saying as a Bengals fan, right? Like you get Joe Burrow, 
Joe Burrow is a really, really, really good football player. And you can tell that because you know how bad the rest of the team is around him. And when he was able to make the Bengals substantially better just by virtue of him being on the field, that can paper over a lot of things that you're like kind of concerned about with the franchise overall. So if Trevor Lawrence comes in and, you know, maybe Travis Etienne is a reach, but if Trevor Lawrence can get him the ball a bunch and make him look really good, then nobody's going to be complaining about that pick. Well, and that's why I want to go back to what you mentioned Billy Price earlier. You know, this is going to be a really interesting year for him. Yeah. Uh, they, they declined his fifth year option in Cincinnati. That's a terrible offensive line. Oh, you know, they're and, awful. And, and so I'm looking and saying, okay, can, can Price make a dent this year can he can he crack the starting lineup again because he's only started i think like what uh eight games or something like that since since 2019 or something seven games at right guard one at guard something crazy like that um so so he hasn't started uh all all that much um but he's had a boatload of injuries right you know he tore the peck in the combine and uh thing with if i recall plantar fasciitis and a back injury in Mm -hmm. 2019 that had him dinged up he played um there was concussion i think one one year uh and then obviously um you know it's just been it's been a tough road to hope of course his uh, offensive line coach is no longer with the team so you know that um that could be interesting to see if um coach Pollock coming in is supposed to be one of the better offensive line coaches in the league so if there's potential there maybe god knows that's what's going to take for joe burrow to not die i really thought (laughs) i really thought that's important that's important i thought they would take an offensive lineman earlier in the draft than they did uh, well we'll actually we'll get to our respective teams here in a second i I do want to say though, real quick, we, we have one guy that we need to get to just before we, we transition here. And that's of course uh, our good friend, Sean Wade round five, pick one sixty, going to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, look, this is a dude. If he had gone early, if he had decided not to come back, I think he is a top, you know, two round pick easy. Like I think he's a second round pick yeah. easily. They put him on the edge out of the slot they move him he does not do very well this past season we all know his struggles i think this is actually i think this is a good this is good value for the baltimore ravens because he's not going to be a corner you know he's not going to be a corner db he's not going to be a like a guy going out there on the edge and trying to like guard people and and the fastest doing whatever he's going to be a slot guy who's going to try to pick up things in the middle and he's going to be pretty good at it. I, 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 I just think the Baltimore Ravens kind of got some value here uh, in round five with Sean. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Cause he's, he's worth taking a flyer. Yeah. Um, he, he's a guy that's, that's got all the tools to borrow scout cliches. He's got all the tools. Uh, no, no doubt about it, but he, but he cost himself money by coming back. And I hate Absolutely. saying that because you know, I, I'm one of these guys that is a fan loves to see him come back you know chris Olave is coming back and man that just makes my little heart go pitter pat i love that on the other hand you know we talked some weeks ago about greg odin convinced me that if you know you're going to make bank go make bank go make bank so that's part of why you know i'm like tommy togi hey good for you man you know go and go and get that check because you ain't going to be able to cash it forever you know and sean wade's sort of that cautionary tale uh where where you say now 
I look at Justin Fields. I think it worked out really well for him. You know, there, there, I heard some people chatter like, Oh, you know, how high would fields have gone if he'd gone a year earlier. I, I don't think you can play that game with him. I think he actually got into it. Yeah. I think you would have had the same, it would have been roughly the same kind of thing. Yeah. With him. I, I don't, I don't know. The narrative would have changed all that much. And so I, I look, uh, I look at Wade and say, yeah, he definitely cost himself money, but I think he can, I think he can make that money back by having a good long career. As much as it pains me deep inside to say this, Baltimore is not a bad place to land if you're a professional no. football player, right? No. Like there, there are definitely worse places to go if you want to have a good and fruitful career in the national football league. So yeah. it turns out one of the Harbaugh brothers actually knows what he's doing. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I, you know, you're, you're a Bengals guy. I'm a Steelers guy. Like I can't, it, it, it hurts me to say nice things about Baltimore, but they sure. do run a good football organization and they do, they play the game relatively well. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm really struggling nice like, like it's hard yeah uh, but, but there's there's definitely worse places to go i think this is a good a good landing spot for him i definitely think it's good value for them and he's he's gonna be he's gonna be okay there he's gonna be okay yeah i think so too uh justin hilliard end up with the san francisco 49ers as a udfa drew chrisman goes to the Bengals, which that should be interesting i don't know i mean it's it, he's gonna have to compete for that job but okay uh blake javio goes to uh the titans tough borland <laughs> got signed uh i mean of course he's gonna get signed i mean the guys you know you're multi-year starter with the buckeyes you're, you're gonna get signed somewhere probably goes to the vikings and then uh, jake houseman goes to the lions um overall interesting draft good draft for ohio state a lot of numbers there let's let's shift to our teams all right so i'm a bengals fan and again i use the word fan reluctantly and loosely but you know i, I watch their games and listen to them on the radio oh, that's great semi-religiously um andy you're of course a steelers fan i'm gonna ask you how do you feel about the steelers draft yeah, overall, I'm I'm pretty happy. I think they addressed I, I think they addressed needs that needed to be addressed. I thought the Najee Harris pick was really good. Mm -hmm. uh, thought that was a smart pick. I again thought they would wait a round or two to pull the trigger on a running back, but but I also look and say part of Mike Tomlin's offensive philosophy is predicated on having a guy who can run the ball. You don't necessarily need Jerome Bettis. Uh, but you got to have somebody better than, you know, Connor that they had the last couple of years, you know, he was okay. Right. They, it was a shame that they lost Le'Veon Bell. He was a really good fit there, but you know what? It's it, Bell's a guy who made his bed. You know, I can't, it, it is what it is. Uh, so Harris, I thought was a good pick. Um, th th I thought overall that was, that was not bad at all. If I go back uh, after that Friarmouth from Penn state, you know, back to looking at a tight end, um, that's okay. You know, people... I think he's a legit player. I like Firemouth. I, yeah, I thought I, he showed a lot when, you know, especially whenever Ohio state played Penn state, he, he was one of the most dangerous players on the field. I thought it was really good. Yeah. My, my, my only hesitation there was again, I had envisioned that they were going to go like offensive lineman, offensive lineman running back. So I, sure. I was a little surprised to see him take a tight end that high in the number 55 overall pick. But I, I think that was, I think that was actually really good. Um, 
really good value. I mean, I, it's not a value pick, but I think you're going to get a lot of value out of him. He's a guy I get, I get kind of tickled at the Gronkowski um, comparisons. I was reading a couple guys. I athletic, a bit of a stretch, him, but call him baby Gronk. And I'm like, all right, he's sure. a big white guy who can catch the ball. Like, okay, fine. I get it. But um, so then after that, so they did finally take uh, a center um, Kendrick green, big 10 player uh, out of yeah. Illinois with the third round. I thought that was uh well, that was okay. He's, he's pretty good. They definitely need an offensive lineman. Um, you know, Pouncey's not going to be there anymore. He is, he is off to, to Canton and mm. he's going to be very, very much missed. And so then just what I expected, they followed that up with an offensive tackle, taking Dan Moore out of A&M. That was a good pick as well. And then it was more defense, 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 took a linebacker, took yeah. a, another defensive end out of Wisconsin, that Loudermilk kid, um, and, and then linebacker, I mean, it was just what you expected the Steelers to go defense, 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 defense after opening up, uh, offense heavy there. Uh, can I ask can, you, can I ask you a quick question? How do how do you feel about the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh? Right scares now? the hell out of me, Johnny. Uh, I think that's <laughs> the way what, you got Josh Dobbs, you got Dwayne who I know you're kind of excited about, but yeah, like, but when they resigned something, well, when they resigned Dobbs, I, I think that changed, um, you know, the calculus that, that to me says, when they re-sign Dobbs, that says to me, nobody's counting on Dwayne Haskins to be the guy, right? Sure. So, um, it, but but I also don't think any of these guys on the roster is Big Ben's. If, if it's not Dwayne Haskins, <laughs> then none of the guys on the roster is no Ben 2.0. It's, it, it ain't Dobbs. It ain't Mason Rudolph. Like, it's just, when do they pull the trigger on finding a guy? Is it one of these? It, at this point, it almost feels like, we're, we're going to have one more year of Ben and then maybe it's a free agent signing. You know, they're going to try to fall into somebody like what Tampa did with, with uh, Brady, or, you know, they're going to try to pick up not, not actually Aaron Rodgers, but somebody like that, that's disaffected where they currently <laughs> are. And you're going to, you know, and it's going to be a bridge, somebody like that, that's good, a veteran that's going yeah. to be a bridge to a draft pick. I, the problem is that you just got to be you got to be bad enough to get a good trend. And, and and you know like the last year felt like it was the year that they sh- and then the hell they roll into the playoffs like yeah. they're undefeated for 12 weeks or whatever it was right. and it's like and and then they you know so you open the season what 12 and 0 13 and 0 whatever it was I have to go back and see what the number was they rolled through and you're like oh okay and then of course all of the fitz warts and freckles that were just lying there below the surface that you know you could see right in those victories came back to pass and you're like, Oh, this team's pretty bad actually. Right. <laughs> relatively. I mean, relatively speaking, but they can, but I guess what I'm saying is they can limp along with big Ben and whoever yes. and, and be a, at least a mediocre team and, and basically take themselves out of the running for any top flight quarterback. Yeah. In the draft. yeah. I mean, and, and, I mean, they have for not, as long as they want, like that's, what's hilarious about it. They have not embraced the idea that we have to tank you know, we had to tank for two or, or yeah, they have no, they have no the desire fr- to do that. No, no, no. And it's, so it's really tough. That's part of why, you know, I think that their, their strategy apparently is just going to be that at some point here, when Ben finally pulls the pin on the grenade, that they're, they're going to go out and, and, and sign a, you know, a veteran free agent type. I, I don't, I don't see what else they're doing because they're not going to, they're not going to, unless they trade, they're going to have to trade into it, obviously would be the, mm-hmm. the way to do it. They're not going to tank. So they're going to have to trade into a top 10 pick or something. Right. Um, and maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe next year they trade into a top pick and they get whoever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I agree. I think they had a, a, a decently solid draft. I just, but I think about of the, the Steelers is just the years to come and what they're going to have to figure out because, 
yeah, without Roethlisberger, I, I just don't know what their team looks like, honestly. Like, because he's he's just the most visible. I, I know they're going to be decent no matter what, but like, I don't know. It's hard to imagine the Steelers without Ben Ross, Roethlisberger. Because he's been there for 30 years now. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, actually, yes. Um, as far as the Bengals he's go, 39 I, years old. Like, he's, I know Tom and Brady's the only guy in the league older. No, that's not, that's not actually true. But I mean, it's, it's insane that he's older than me. And I remember him playing in college while I was a student in high school. Like that's, that's something that blows my mind. <laughs> Drafted in 2000 for the 11th overall pick. Yeah. From I was Miami university. You know, he was going to school about 27 yards from your house or, you know, that's I mean, right. <laughs> That's right. And in, in, in 2004, my God. Middletown, Middletown Journal devoting way too much ink to the Miami Red Hawks for 2004. way too long. Solely because so long of ago. Ben Roethlisberger. Um, the Bengals, I know a lot of people love the Jamar Chase pick and they're like, okay, well, it's understandable you would get him. And I, I'm, I'm not crapping on Jamar Chase. I think he's a legitimate player. I think he's going to be very good. It just bothers me that you see your starting quarterback, the guy who's going to be your franchise quarterback of the future, get hurt and just repeat and not just once. I'm not I'm not saying he got, you know, OK, oh, we got the big injury and he was out and that's what we're worried about. He was getting annihilated every game. And you see that happen over the course of an entire season. And you go, you know what? Priority one is getting a guy for him to throw to. And I look again, Chase great player i'm sure he's going to be awesome you don't not need to try to recreate the magic of like andy dalton and whichever like you know whichever wide receiver he was happening to throw to or decide to pick that particular week right like i just i want joe burrow to be upright and healthy and i don't understand why you don't go with sewell in that spot there are other guys you can pick at wide receiver Hell, there was a dude who was picked like three spots later at wide receiver who's pretty damn good, right? Smitty knows how to catch a football. You can go out and get it. Like, I, I guess my point is, I know he wouldn't have been available necessarily, but my point is that there are other guys in the second round, third, whatever, who are going to be perfectly capable, good wide receivers in the NFL. And I just, you got to protect your franchise quarterback who is clearly a really, really good football player. Um I don't know. I don't like the pick. I think it's dumb. It bothers me. And I really hope that like, he's the next coming of, you know, Calvin Johnson, whoever, because it's to me, it just is not a smart move and I don't like it. I think the rest of the draft is whatever. It's fine. They, they eventually, you know, they, they got Jackson Carmen right out of Clemson. He's going to be pretty good. Fine. Yeah. Uh, I liked actually Deontay Smith out of East Carolina. The dude's super athletic. I think he'll be good. Um, but, you know, it just – the philosophy is what bothers me. They got defensive linemen. They got offensive linemen. I'm fine with that. They got Chris Evans for some reason from Michigan, the running back from Michigan, who showed nothing at Michigan uh, in the sixth round. I don't even know why you bother there. Um, I don't know, man. It just, it, it's just – it's an organization that almost makes the right move and then doesn't and then it sets them back. It's, it's, it's always a two steps forward, three steps back situation with the Bengals. And that's just kind of what this draft felt like. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being overly negative because it's well, the Bengals, but from the outside, I, I really wanted in, to get Sewell there. That's, that's my thing. Like from the outside looking in, I was confident that they would go 
just just like what I thought the Steelers would do, frankly, would be offensive linemen, offensive linemen, sure. really heavy early on. Uh, so, you know, when they pulled the trigger on Chase, you know, that was kind of my comment was, well, you know, AFC North defenses are happy to lo- learn that the Bengals still do not care about line play. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I mean, you just have to look and feel. I would really love to know, like, if you got Joe Burrow, you know, cornered uh, in a room where he had to answer in his heart of hearts, you know, Chase is your buddy. I, I get it. Yeah, you threw to him. At great but how do you really feel about this yeah. pick? Like, how do you really feel about it? That's, I would love to know. Yeah, I I think you would feel that he wants like four boots who all weigh 370 pounds stand around him so he can get annihilated every week. Um, and really it sucks too because when you have a player who is that talented who is clearly going to be a star if he's able to stand upright for most of a game um, it just seems like a waste so however I will say I do like the offensive line picks that they did get you know they also got Trey Hill in the sixth round out of Georgia Um, I think they're legit offensive linemen I just don't know why you don't go for the sure thing there in the first round and then again as i said picking up chris evans at running back <laughs> it's just that's really funny to me because as someone who's followed michigan obviously very closely the past several years and particularly their running backs because that's just the one position they can't even get remotely right um chris evans is, is a really funny pick to me for a lot of reasons um he's he's not what i would consider to be maybe an nfl ready running back so that'll be fun to see what they decide to try to do with the dude if he i mean even if he stays on the roster i don't even know so that's the that's the nfl draft that's 2020 nfl draft i am interested to see how these how these guys pan out in the league i mean obviously that's something that we always follow as ohio state fans you know how the buckeyes are doing and of course on the website you know we have the you know the tracker where we see how all the different players have performed and whatnot. Um, but this is a class that I think can do some really amazing things. will be really impressive in the league, obviously at the top there with Justin Fields. And then also some players who I, I think will be able to, you know, kind of have long careers and stay in rosters for a long time and maybe fill those roles where you're like, I'm, I'm amazed that dude's still in the league and still kicking butt. Um, I, I would love to see Tommy Togi. I have a 12 or 13 year NFL career. That would be kick ass. And I think he's capable of it. I would love to see Luke Farrell end up being the next Gronkowski. I think that would be amazing. Um, and I'd love to see Sean Wade, maybe kind of recapture some of the hype that he had going into this season. So um, I don't know, man, it, it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to check out. And next year, I mean, it's, it's going to be all wide receivers. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be the big narrative. And, and so that'll be fun to watch as well. So I'm excited for that. We also want to remind you that the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of fun stuff. It's going to start being warm. It's spring going into summer. Get your, you know, nice, cool T-shirts. Show off to your friends and family. Um, it's going to be, uh, I don't know. I, I, the next week is supposed to be kind of nice, a little cool, which I'm excited about. Um, but you know, obviously the summer weather is going to kind of hit us in the back of the head here soon. So, you know, good stuff to check out and maybe, uh, cool off in a, in a cool way with the, uh, the dry goods store, all, all kinds of nice stuff there. Um, let's do a little, ask us anything. So you can send us questions to the 11 Dubcast 
at dubcast at 11warriors.com d-u-b-c-a-s-t at 11warriors.com favorite part of any week because i just love the very intense uh thoughtful questions that we get uh from our listeners and this one's from matt in minnesota and and matt wants to know this is a question i think that's been going around a lot um in terms of the draft and quarterbacking and things like that for a long time and it's an important question and i i do want to preface this question by the two people answering it are two you know mid to late 30s white dudes so our our perception on this is maybe not quite as important slash authentic as someone who might have a you know more personal or insightful connection to this question so uh touching on a sensitive topic here uh, this is from matt uh, given that trey lance and mac jones had the exact same number of collegiate starts and that mac jones had decided talent advantage at every uh, distribution point in college uh, how much of this narrative is driven by race so same uh, reference knock on justin fields um you know a lot of people talking about like how he's not quote unquote mentally quick and can't read his progressions as well and you know things like that uh while the nfl is mostly a minority labor force it has not come that far in my opinion as a man of color since the days of warren moon doug williams at all having to fight for their spot in the league because of the color of their skin uh is this something uh that continues to be an impact in the nfl and again I'm saying this as a white dude who's 36. So my perspective is certainly not as informed or, you know, frankly, as important, maybe as somebody who has experienced this kind of thing, but I would agree. I think it is something that's a factor in um, especially like on a person to person level, maybe um, as far as the hiring and, and analysis process goes in the NFL. One of the things that somebody pointed out that I saw on Twitter was like, you know, when they do these, cams you know where they've got the the camera set up in the uh the war rooms right of all these different teams <laughs> it is kind of striking how almost every single person in these war rooms is, is white and i'm not saying that like you know all these individual coaches and and scouts and whatever are racist or anything like that but i also think that they don't have a very good perspective sometimes and i think that leads to a lot of um stereotypes being reinforced a lot of assumptions being repeated and i just i I think they need to have more voices in the room and i think that's part of why you get those conversations and people making those types of statements because it's it's bs the idea that justin fields can't read a, a defense as fast as mac jones or something is just it's ludicrous we've seen that we know that yeah so. I, I i listen to some of that commentary like you're talking about especially some of the manufactured crap that like that with fields I mean, I think there's definitely, there's definitely that, that lingering bias. Some of it is because, yeah, you're right. You look at those rooms and it's yeah, two dozen old white dudes that, you know, that's definitely a thing. Um, but I think too, it's really interesting looking at, I was reading uh, an article prepping for this question at uh, NFL.com. The NFL media team had done like a ranking of the 59 starting quarterbacks of the 2020 NFL season. And if you look down through here, you know, men of color are really well represented in the guys who are actually making it in the league. Mm-hmm. If you look at like Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Lamar Absolutely. Jackson, you know, of the top 10, Kyler Murray, the top 10 guys in their rankings, you know, half of them were, were African-American gentlemen. So I, I think the, the league has come a long way in that regard, that it's not just yeah. like 29 white guys in Warren moon, you know, it's, it's not, it's not that anymore. Um, but what you run into is this sort of idea that, okay, 
a black quarterback is is go, it has to be an RG three. You know, he's not going to be he's not going to be a pocket passer. He's not going to be this. He's, gonna be, he's just going to be a guy that's going to do it with his legs. Well, that's not the case, right? You look at Patrick right. Mahomes. That guy throws a pretty nice ball. Oh my god! So, I mean, one of the best yeah. pure passers we've <laughs> right. ever seen. Right? I mean, unbelievable. So I think I think that's where some of that narrative bias comes into play with when you're looking at drafting, and and some of it too. It's like if you look at the actual picks right mac jones wasn't a top five guy right. right like he didn't get picked uh at number three by the 49ers so i think there is i think there is this idea that the the talent evaluation wins out eventually right so mm -hmm. we we said earlier in the program like i don't think fields quote unquote fell to number 11 i think he got in a pretty good spot there at number 11 then and so there's this disconnect i think in a lot of ways between some of the shit, pardon the language, that the NFL media writes, these these people who are doing the punditry, punditry heading up to the draft, and they come up with these crap answers versus what the scouts are actually doing in the rooms. Like I think there's a pretty broad disparity because when you read some of the stuff that 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 goes leading up, and then like you say, the revisionist history after the fact with Fields that hey, he's actually probably one of the two best quarterbacks. Oh, you think really? <laughs> <laughs> where were you on that a week ago when we yeah. were making up crap about how epilepsy was a reason for his, who, what, huh? <laughs> who cares? Right. So I, you know, and I agree with that stuff. And, and I would also say that again, this is, these are, this is the perspective of two white dudes in their late thirties. I will say that if you want to get maybe a wetter, more, more in-depth perspective on this, there's tons of people out there who are, um, you know, much, closer to the, the situation they have the experience in the nfl you know and they have experience of being a person of color who have made all kinds of um statements and, and comments and, and done think pieces on this that i i think people should check out um because that perspective is really important and to change that stuff you know i i agree with you i mean hopefully we can get more diversity um in a very diverse sport in the uh front offices um one thing that i do think is pretty cool is that you know, the players who are coming, guys like, you know, Trey Lance and, and, and Justin Fields, they're very, they're outspoken people about not just, you know, um, the social issues that they care about, but just being a, a human being in the world, right? That's trying to experience this whole NFL crazy thing. And I, I'm really glad that everybody um, is maybe a little bit more willing to speak their minds in the NFL about the issues that kind of affect them. I think that's important. Um Next question here. This is this is from uh, from our very good friend Kieran, and Kieran wants to know what are our top five Marvel superheroes. And I know you're a little bit more of a DC guy, Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I want to know what are your top five Marvel superheroes. Uh, and, and you know, I will have to say that this has probably been influenced more recently because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I think is tremendous. Yeah. And uh, you've gone and through that extensively. I mean, yes. Yeah. During the, one of the things we did during the pandemic was go back to the beginning, like starting with Iron Man and work. Well, actually we did it in chronological order. So we started with Captain Marvel, uh, trying to think did well, we it'd be actually, captain we, america we, we went yeah yeah that's what i had to stop and go back and no, wait a minute we started with captain america the first avenger and then worked our way through uh and and to the point like so many of the tv shows not all uh like agent carter i loved agent carter thought that was a fantastic tv show sorry that it didn't last longer we're not caught up on wandavision and um uh, the, the winter soldier and and uh, the falcon so i we're a little behind there but um to, so i would say my 
my feelings on this <laughs> are, are probably skewed because of uh, the more recent, when I was a kid, it would have been the X-Men, um, for sure. Like love mm-hmm. w- Wolverine. Um, one, it's still, still one of my favorites, uh, Captain America always loved Captain America, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, uh, and, and, you know, probably Wolverine. I think of a five, uh, might get tough. Might get tough for me to pick. You a wouldn't five put Spider Man in the top five. Well, see, so so, and this is the thing. Like now that you ask me that question, I would say, oh yeah, absolutely, Spider Man's the bomb. Sure, but just like unaided recall, that's what's really interesting. So when I unaided recall do it, I think of Thor, Captain America, and and um, who was the third Avenger that I said Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man, yeah. like right off the top, and then you know, like Wolverine from X Men. And then I, and then I kind of like, Hmm, and I got to think about this for a minute. So, but if you ask me, yeah, absolutely. I love Spider-Man, love Spider-Man, but it's just kind of interesting that okay. unaided recall. Cause we didn't talk about this question before the show. So that was just right. really my first, first blush. I, I like, I like the incredible Hulk quite a lot. Actually, when I think about comics that I read a lot, part of that was influenced by loving the TV show. Um, oh yeah. Starring <laughs> the legendary Lou Ferrigno. For sure. You know, uh, I, and, and uh, Bixby, Bill Bixby, um, as uh, as as Bruce Banner, mm-hmm. uh, that was a great show. I love that show. Would go back and watch that now. May have to go back and watch that now that I've talked myself into it. What about you? Okay, so I know Spider Man's one of your absolute favorites. Spider, yeah, Spider Man's number one, and I, you know, I love Spider Man since I was a little kid. I watched the TV show on Fox, you know, like the cartoon um that was on for a long time one of my favorite things about that cartoon is that first of all it was unbelievably low budget but uh it, they did such a great job of portraying peter parker and that's why i love spider-man because he was this every man kind of nerdy guy and i i could really relate to that uh you know as a little nerdy kid and I, I you know i just i like the fact that spider-man is kind of like the audience surrogate and whatever kind of movie or comic that he's in, he's always the guy who's just kind of like looking at the reader or the viewer or whoever and saying like, man, this stuff's crazy, isn't it? And I, <laughs> and I love that. I love that about him. And, you know, he's a tough guy. He never gives up. All, all the other things about Peter Parker, I just, you know, I, I love both the the civilian Peter Parker and the superhero Spider-Man. I just think they're great characters. And it's I, I've read so much of both. And um mm-hmm you know i enjoy it a lot so spider-man's definitely my all-time favorite superhero i read a ton of deadpool actually deadpool came like deadpool had uh his first ongoing series i think it started in 1996 1996 1997 so i was like 11 12 years old so i was like right at that sweet spot where you're kind of being a smart ass and you're kind of you like all those like kind of edgy jokes and stuff and so that came out a really good time for me. And I, I just read the hell out of that. Joe Kelly was the writer on that run and he's a hilarious comic book writer. Um, so I got really into Deadpool in the nineties. And then I was like, I can't, you know, Deadpool was always one of those comics that was on the verge of getting canceled. Hmm. And so I was shocked that he started increasing in popularity after a certain period of time. And then I had two movies and I just, that, that to me is one of the most improbable things I could possibly think of in comics. Um, and, and and like to, to you know i was not like the biggest ryan reynolds like ryan reynolds like yeah, ryan yeah. reynolds but like i wasn't if you asked me you know favorite actors in hollywood sure. i don't know that i would have just been like oh it's clearly well ryan he reynolds. fought for years to get deadpool off the ground oh my deadpool, god like that deadpool's canadian right like can, can, canonically like in, in the comics deadpool's from canada ryan reynolds is also from canada and, and so he fought for that for a long time 
And it's kind of amazing that it, it ended up happening for. And him. it was That's brilliant, the... brilliant. Oh yeah, it's a great. It's they're they're really great movies. They're really fun. Um, I I could go on a long long rant about Deadpool and how Joe Kelly kind of established the character as something more than like a ripoff of a DC character, which is what he started out as. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I just really enjoyed those comics growing up. So that's, he's definitely number two for me. Um, I really like, so here's the thing. I didn't get into uh, Daredevil until maybe the last like 10 years or so. Okay. But I've read a lot of Daredevil comics. I watched this, the TV show and I love both. There is a um, there's a run right now actually uh, on Daredevil. Like the ongoing Daredevil series is unbelievably good. Probably one of the top two things that's actually being produced by Marvel right now in terms okay. of comics. I recommend everybody read it if you're into comics. Daredevil um, right now is just at the top of its game. It's just so engaging and fun to read. Um, so and I you know and I, I'm like kind of a street level guy. I don't really like the huge big you know world altering superheroes i like the guys who are kind of getting nitty-gritty on the streets and whatnot and um daredevil is obviously one of those guys so i i've always enjoyed his mythology and the bad guys and you know just everything you know that's kind of associated with daredevil i think it's just really fun like frank miller who's gone crazy at this point yes uh did a classic run um with daredevil in the 80s which everybody should read if you're into comics as well uh i would put captain america at number four i'm a big captain america guy just because i like the idea of captain america and yes. i think he has some of the most interesting stories in marvel comics um he can they they do a lot of really good contemporary stuff with um captain america and i i always enjoyed that i think the there was one story in the 70s where literally he like confronts richard nixon right like they never say it's richard nixon but he's like the evil mastermind and of course these comics came out during watergate and i just yeah. I find that aspect of captain america fascinating um and that, then I that actually, has been relevant this long you know that that's oh yeah like, that, exactly back. and he will continue to be relevant because it's it's about like contemporary american issues <laughs> And I, I just find that fascinating that he's a comic book character who can reflect that. And I, I don't know. I really love that. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, and I honestly, I know a lot of people would say, oh, just because of the movie that came out, it was super popular. I've liked Black Panther for a long time. And mm. it's because he's just this like, Black Panther, actually, I'll, and there was a, uh, there was actually an event, Secret Invasion uh, that paired these two guys together and back black panther and namor i love the fact that you have these two like kings of where they are and they're super into being like the ruler yeah and i again the stories that result from uh both of them are just really fascinating um because they're just they're just so like the characters are so strong and like upright and I don't know. It, it's it's interesting to see um, characters that are completely morally convinced of their superiority in in Marvel comics, um, even when they're not necessarily that you know always on the right side. So I, I really like those two characters a lot. I would say they're both you know up there in the in the list. I'm I'm making it six. I'm sorry. I <laughs> I'll go with both of them. They're always fun to you know watch bounce off of each other you know and and name i had a lot of namor comics because I, I i got dad's comic books at a, at a young age like he just had this big like orange crate full of comic books from the 60s and 70s and you know he just let, let me let me have them to flip. that's part of the reason i think that thor iron man and captain america were the first three i rattled off because dad had a truckload of those i was so sure those yeah. were some of the earliest ones that i read uh i gravitated toward 
Batman and Superman, Batman more so than Superman. And it was kind of funny that you, when you were talking about what you loved about Spider-Man, you know, obviously at the time I wasn't thinking about it, you know, in my youth, I wasn't thinking about the idea that I'm probably not going to grow up to be a billionaire. Uh, but I loved the thing I loved about Batman was that he was not super powered. So I could, right. I could envision myself, you know, setting aside the conceit of being a billionaire. And that's a large part of the reason he's able to be what he is, uh, with all the gadgets and, and so on, but I can envision myself. I can never picture myself as Superman, right? Like, uh, I, I'm not going to suddenly fly and have x-ray vision, all this sort of thing, but I can envision myself as Batman in the same way you talk about, you know, Spider-Man being kind of like, you know, you can identify with yeah, exactly. smart ass kid, kind of high school, you know, all those kind of things. Right. Um, but, but when, when I think about, uh, those comics of my dad's from the sixties and seventies, Namor was in a lot of them. And so he's I just a it, smarmy jerk. And that's what I love about him. He's such a turd. And I, and I, enjoy well, I find it much. interesting that he has not made an appearance in, and I guess maybe that's why, because he's a smarmy jerk. And like, how do you make that a character that moviegoers are, are into? And I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not up to speed on what phase 27 of the marvel cinematic universe is is going to be like or anything but is he is he going to make an appearance at any point i you know they're they're bringing in the fantastic four so i gotta believe that the 47th reboot of the fantastic four (laughs) right but i gotta believe that at some point they will also bring in namor and some of the other uh some of the other people associated i know like i'm really excited actually the the marvel um the Marvel TV shows have been really, really cool. I, I liked uh, WandaVision a lot, and I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like, I thought that was a lot of fun, and I, you know, I was, I wasn't skeptical so much about Sam Wilson becoming Captain America because, like, I don't want Falcon to be Captain America or something like that. I just didn't think his character had been super well developed, but they did such an incredible job at it in that TV show that I'm like 100% all in on it. I, mm-hmm. I think that he's going to be a great job at being uh, the new Captain America. So I'm really excited for that. And uh, I'm excited for the Loki show. I think Loki yeah, show I'm, really, I'm cool. really interested to see where that goes because I think Hiddleston is fantastic he was one of the uh, the real stars of of the movies so i'm i'm curious to see and i I just find the asgardians interesting in general because i as a kid was a mythology geek so that's um you know yeah it'll be it'll be fun to see and i think he can carry a show for sure so how far does it go yeah well and that's it's I like when Marvel gets weird and they got pretty weird in WandaVision, although they kind of got more conventional as it went on. I feel like Loki is going to be super freaking weird and I'm excited for that. And they're going to do all kinds of stuff with like multiple universes. And I'm just, I'm, I'm down for that. So I'm excited for all that happening. Um, and you know, they've, I, I know they're doing like a moon Knight thing. They're bringing in Miss Marvel, which is like the young version of captain Mar. You know, it, the whole thing is going to be great. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. Uh, that was a great question. Thank you for asking that. I appreciate it. I could, we could do an entire podcast on comics and comic books and comic book media. Uh, and maybe we will because the off season's coming up and, and <laughs> we're gonna, God knows we're going to have stuff to talk about. Um, keep sending in those questions. We really appreciate it. Those were excellent this week. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back next week to both break down more Ohio State potpourri and, and to answer your questions with us or anything. But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you then.